0: welcome back to the freewheeling podcast. My name is Abby Mickey and we are here to talk about the tour Scandinavia, some transfers and what we've got left for the world tour season for the women. I am joined by my full crew of freewheeling friends. We've got Tilda Price. Yeah, since there's
1: so many people here today, I think I'm just going to sit in the audience and just listen to the live podcast recording.
0: You should just heckle, like <laughs> <laughs> chime in with some Somebody did actually say that we should do a live, and I I am entertaining the idea. I think it would be fun. Like, I maybe for the Worlds, except Gracie will be there, so it would be kind of hard. Well, we could do the four of us. I'll be at Worlds with Gracie. Oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> we That's can just be through. on the ground. Excuse
2: me, wait a minute. What time is it going to be on in Europe? Oh, no. Sh- no, screw that. Not- <laughs> no, I think, don't they, Gracie, like, adjust it so... They I'm sure they like the main race. Well that sounds terrible. The elite men and women, they sort of adjust it to
0: So as many people in the world can watch it live.
2: Yeah, but it's still gonna be early. You'll catch definitely the finish at a normal hour, like finishing yeah. maybe at five, six o'clock Aussie time.
3: I've done many and I couldn't tell you. It's gone, it's gone out of my mind. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's like now <laughs> for Europe. Yeah, I reckon now. At this time you will be watching.
0: A little too early for Amy and I to get drunk and live commentate. That's
4: true. i not really drink alcohol at that hour,
0: can you? Anyway, yeah. all the three other people on this podcast have introduced themselves at this point. We got Amy Jones. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Lauren Rowney. Good morning. And Gracie Elvin. hey. Hey. And we are back after. Well, it was kind of like a week off for us because we recorded the the Tour de France fame because we have to wrap up episode after the race on Friday, and then it dropped on a Monday. So we haven't seen each other in a week and over a week. It's kind of, I kind of it's sad. Sad. Yeah. yeah, I did. I missed you guys. Missed you too. Especially because. Tilda and I were the only ones chiming in on the work chat all week.
4: (laughs) No, come on. I said a few things. I even chimed in the day after I had to that's a lot commitment.
0: That is commitment. To be fair, I'm just, I'm the audience like Tilda
3: is today on the podcast. Like I'm the one that just reads all the chat and never says anything.
0: You you wake up to like 40 messages. (laughs) No,
3: literally sometimes some some mornings there's hundreds of messages and I'm like, oh. I'm too old for this.
0: <laughs> Gracie hits mute. Mute one week. I have, I have wondered if you wake up to like a bajillion, and you're like, I do this read is them too much because
3: it's good gossip sometimes. You guys have it's got true. some good stuff
0: mm-hmm. and
3: some good, good uh, commentary that won't ever make it into a live podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry, listeners. Uh, the days <laughs> that
4: she wakes up to hundreds of messages is when we're all watching a race
3: together, and we're going drink.
4: <laughs> Every five minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of
3: that. Sometimes I don't open it, though, because it's spoilers and I, w- I want to watch the race after the fact. Fair, <laughs> very
0: fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the Tour of Scandinavia and other stuff. But before we dive into today's episode, this episode is brought to you by Zwift, which is an incredible training tool. Not only do they support women's racing, Via development, uh, getting young riders into the professional peloton with the Zwift Academy. They also support women's races like Paris-Roubaix and the Tour de France Femme, and they support this podcast. They're huge advocates for women's cycling, and they're an amazing training tool. I, myself, have been using, that, using it to try to get back into fitness, well fitness, quote, fitness, uh, after having a baby, I know Lauren did the same and Gracie has quite the Zwift set up in her garage. It's very impressive. If you follow her on Instagram, she's posted a couple pictures of it and yeah, we all use it as a, we're all working full time and juggling life and everything that comes with it. And Zwift is an amazing tool to use to keep yourself in shape, or at least You know, give yourself an hour a day to yourself, watch The Bachelor, and uh, pedal away on the trainer. That's what I do.
4: They need to come up with a more portable version of Zwift, and then I'll be able to use it.
0: Yeah, you do, like, you can't really travel with a trainer. It would be difficult. No, no. You just need friends with trainers, which you
3: you do have. You just need to take your own bike.
2: It's like the, if you're really, really keen into Zwift, there's, like... Multiple Zwift studios around the place, too. Big cities. They're
0: popping up, Not yeah. Not at the yeah. top of mountains, usually.
2: Ah, uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, thank you so much, Zwift, for sponsoring this episode. Let's talk about the Tour of Scandinavia. Well, I think the one of the bigger talking points that we can start with is um, Voss. She won four out of six stages. Yep, came out of the Tour de
2: France Femme with still fantastic form it would seem what was a bit of a shame I don't want to jump into the stages too much yet but um I would have been curious if she didn't have that mechanical to see how long she would have held on to that front group because she was super motivated
0: but did she have a mechanical because it was confusing well
2: she was really going for it trying to chase so I'm guessing Mm. yeah that was what the commentary was sort of saying like it was hard with that um overhead shot of course because you didn't see what happened but I mean to get that huge gap and then to be going full gas like that I don't know.
0: I mean I that was climb confused. definitely the climb kind of didn't suit Voss but it did suit non like kind of it wasn't like a pure climbery climb like there was quite a big group going into the final couple k it only got mm. steep with 3k to go and um the yeah, that was really only when the selection was made. So I feel like I wasn't surprised to see her hang on as long as she did. But like the the voss of winning Giro, the Giro Donna and stuff like that was very much pre mm, pre live coverage, pre salaries for a lot of the riders before. Mm you know, the, the feel got way deeper. So I'm glad she didn't hang on for much longer because she, she dominated the race anyway by winning four stages. I mean, she won the first three mm-hmm. and like narrowly won the fourth stage as well if that break hadn't stayed away, um, which we can get into because I thought that was really interesting tactics from Yumbo Visma. I mean, at that point they had three stage wins, so maybe they weren't, they were kind of okay to not chase it down. Um, but yeah, the Voss dominated the race without needing to play into the general classification. I was having this
3: kind of argument when I was at the tour with one of my colleagues and he said that he thinks that Voss has passed her peak in her career. Lol. And yet she wins two stages at the tour. She's win four out of six stages at the Tour of Scandinavia. She wins Quite regularly. She had a couple of tough years there a few years back, but like my argument was that I don't think that she's past her prime. I think that you you kind of just said that maybe in a different way. Like the landscape of women's cycling has just changed. Like it's just there's more specialist riders, there's a bigger depth across all of the teams, there's just a lot of better riders, but she's still winning. Like that's Amazing. I just don't think that she's past her peak. I think it's just a different version of Mariana than it used to be. She's Mm -hmm. fucking cyclocross world champion. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Yeah.
0: And what are the odds that she takes the road race at this point? I mean, if she holds the form she's on, she's going to be really hard to beat because clearly she can make it over the hills that are in the road race course and that w- those would be the only way that she would lose it other than that if it comes to the line it's going to be a reduced bunch and she's gonna take it you know easy
2: well it's definitely a course that suits her that's for sure but um I mean I is it- like you go Amy
0: no I was just gonna say I feel
2: like
4: it's quite like a basic surface level opinion to have that like Marina Voss should win everything in women's cycling like that was 10, 10 years ago happened. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like people are like, oh, yeah, Marina Voss, obviously, she can. It was like when people, when she was in yellow at the tour, and people were like, is she going to win? And everyone was like, no, No. not going to (laughs) win.
2: But as well, what Gracie was saying, athletes, I mean, she's had a very long career, do have peaks and troughs in their careers. Sometimes when they change teams, that can be for better or worse, or just, you know, health or injury. You have a few bad years there. Um, Speaking of that, one of the, My favorite results, and I wish it had been a win, was when Amelia Farland came second because she's one of those athletes. Like, I was actually a bit teary because she's just worked so hard over the years, and she finally found a team where she's found her place, and she had some fantastic years there where she ran fourth at one of the world championships on a very hard course and and then has just had injury and an illness, concussion. Um,
0: well, the first, the first two stages, the boss one, she really took it from kind of like the hometown favorite because the first stage, Amelie D Derrickson, I mean, she wasn't second, but she was trying, she was up there and she's had a really rough couple of years after winning the world championships, um, injury this year with some knee issues. And I think last year as well. Plus, uh, a lot of the pressure on her after winning worlds, she, she couldn't, she didn't handle it very well i mean how she was so young like there's that's definitely a valid response to the kind of attention she got after winning and and then yeah amelia Fallon. she like crashed in uh training i believe in 2019 and got a concussion and then was out for a really long time 2020 she it was obviously COVID and then when the season started up again, she broke her hand at the Giro and then she was struggling with concussion symptoms again this year. So it's been years and years and years of Amelia Fallen being um, just like struggling with one thing after another. And for her to get second, I mean, I, I wrote it on the site that it was I wrote that it was uh, as good as winning after the years that she's had. Then I changed the headline of the article, but I feel like it—it it, it was as good as winning. When you come second to someone like Voss, who's just absolutely flying at the moment, and to take that kind of result for after years of hardship, um, and I think that Amelia Fallen po- possibly is at the end of her career soon. She's not announced anything. She announced that she was putting off retirement to race the Tour of Scandinavia, but. Uh, hasn't announced an ex- an extension nor has she announced that this is her final year but that was definitely one of my favorite moments was her coming second mm-hmm. and Alex Manley winning a stage that was
2: probably my favorite moment
0: <laughs> yeah, let, we should talk about stage four because it was really interesting. Like stage four, Onosko Koster was in that breakaway with uh, the other people in the break. We had Alice Barnes, Chloe Hosking. So it was a pretty sprinter heavy break. It was a really strong break. And Voss came in sixth behind the five person breakaway, but on the same time because it was obviously super close. And it was interesting to me that they kind of gave the freedom to Onoska Koster because she's a very good rider, but she also, like, Voss had proven that she would win no matter what. So, or she could win in this field, like, if it came to the line, it, Voss would always be best. Um, so it was, I thought it was interesting tactics from Yumbo Visma, but it was also... Just an amazing performance from Alex Manley. And she did so well on the on stage five, the mountain as well. She ended up third overall in the general classification, which for someone who's, you know, a track rider, uh, I think the climb suited her pretty well, but it was also just a really impressive, could you call it a breakthrough? I think her whole
2: season has been on the road a breakthrough because, I mean, Gracie raced with her for years. Alex was always a fantastic teammate. And when you have riders like Gracie or Meek on the team, of course, going into most races, it's pretty obvious who the leader is going to be. But now Alex must be, what, 26 or something? So she's getting to that age where, you know, she's maturing as a rider. She's had some success on the track, you know, former um, world champion in the point score, and she went to the Olympics, so she's matured. And I think she's just got that confidence now to put her hand up and say, yeah, I can be the leader. Um, And she's, yeah, she's just doing it this year. She's having a go and proving that she can be a leader on that team. And um, I think moving forward with the development of that team and how it's moving around, she's going to sort of establish herself as one of the leaders now.
3: I think I've been singing Alex's praises for a long time, not just as a domestic, but because she has so much talent And I'm pretty sure at the start of this year I was like, she'll be one to watch. And I'm just so happy for her that she has pulled it together and, like, um, Torrigan was probably the turning point in my mind for her because it was a smaller race and she just got that confidence in herself. And since then she's just been trying, 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 and, like, you just need that confidence in those sprint finishes. You need that ballsy effort. You need confidence to, like, Almost override it, like she's putting herself in better positions now, like so she can not get boxed in and she can just go for it because she's got that great power. And and if it's like that slightly uphill finish, like it was in the stage she won, it's so good for her. But if you're too far back, it's not going to happen. So it's just cool to see her putting all the pieces of the puzzle together because she's capable of it and she's really reliable. She was really reliable and is, I should say, as a, a domestic. But I think. The strength in that was because she's a sponge and she like listens and she 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 learns and I think a lot of writers don't have that ability to learn their lesson quickly like she I think she only makes mistakes once or twice before she learns from them and and tries something new and I, I really like that in writers in that they're not making the same mistake again and again and that's really frustrating when you see some writers doing that and you're like oh you've got amazing legs but why, why aren't you thinking about this more? So she, she's the whole package and it was really cool to see her be rewarded for that.
0: I feel like on the topic of confidence, we really need to talk about Sile Utrecht Ludwig, Cecily, Sile? Uh, I feel like it's Sile. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard anyway. Um, her win on the queen stage, stage five was I've, f- Coming off the back of the win at the Tour de France Femme of Xwift, that she's gained so much confidence from, from that win. And she's got this like turn of speed that I think she's been working on a lot to kind of put her above all of the other riders that have the same skill set as her. And she did really well to deploy that on stage five to beat Liana Lippert. I mean, it wasn't even really a competition when it came came down to the two of them at the finish. And this win for her, she's obviously been a rider to watch for many, many years at this point. And she's managed to get herself on the podium of a lot of world tour one days. Um, But she's, she didn't win a world Tour race until she won the stage of Burgos last year. It's been like a long time coming that she actually is able to put it together for a victory um, in one of these huge races. And, Obviously, the Tour de France victory, I think, is a little step above this, but to win the overall for her was, I think, that's going to give her a lot of confidence going into the rest of the season. Obviously, she's on really good form and had a rough start to the year, so she's kind of peaking now, and it's really showing. And I think, like, for the future, that this this season, these results that she's got is going to kind of back that. Um, the status that she's always had. You know what I mean? And I think she, one of the only writers to do all three Grand Tours,
2: I read somewhere, she did the Giro, the Tour de France, yeah. um, and now this. So that's pretty impressive in itself to, to hold that form. And she was very helpful in the Giro for Valli, and then obviously very, very strong in the Tour de France and then again carried that form through here.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think talking about the confidence, you can kind of really see that in the way that the sprint on stage five played out in that she was leading out. And I, I was really worried at first. I thought, oh, no, she's on the front. Like Leanna Lippert is not a slow rider. She's just going to come around her. But then she just accelerated off the front. She didn't wait. They didn't play games. She just went. And I think she just knew that she could do that. And maybe that's... Something that Ryan is kind of full foul of is not having the confidence to just go when you have to go. Um and the same on stage six, really, the fact that when Lippert made her last big dig, it was um it was Cecile who was chasing it, right? That she wasn't worrying that she couldn't follow her or that she had to play it safe. She was just going all in for it. Um and yeah, I think when you win on this on the Tour de France that's got to fill you with a certain level of confidence. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what she does with the rest of the season, because these three races that she just did were probably the best suited to her. And it'll be interesting to see how she kind of looks at her form and looks at the races still to come and what she's going to target and aim for and what she might set out And um, yeah, what, what else she can do? Cause you wouldn't put it past her winning again before the season's
4: over. Mm. She'll probably be, like, gearing towards Worlds now, no? Mm-hmm. I'd
3: yeah. She'd be my Smokey for Worlds, I reckon. Your what? For? My Smokey. Dark Horse. Oh, okay. I like that.
0: <laughs> I feel like Lippert was another kind of breakthrough ride almost. Not really a breakthrough ride because, obviously, she's won World Tour races in the past. She won Cadell's that one year. But she has had kind of a quiet couple years since then and she's she's not got a contract that we know of yet for 2023. She does have a contract but we don't know who it's with. <laughs> and uh so it, it's for her she's such an interesting rider cuz she's a very good climber but she's also yeah she's got like a an acceleration that's really impressive. Her attack on stage 6 was really like really well timed but also like from the overhead shot, it was like, oh my gosh! Okay, so this is like a legit move, and it really was only Cielo to to shut that move down. So I was there was a few riders that I was really impressed with in this race, and I think it's kind of a bummer we didn't get to see like what SD Works would have done with the race. Obviously, they lost three riders on stage four with uh they all three went down in a crash with two point no four with 4k to go because it was right outside the 3k rule and demi and uh anna shackley were injured not not significantly and then neem fisher a little black concussion a little concussion yeah yeah i mean and uh neem fisher black broke her collarbone so that's sad this spot a whole
4: fucking thing on Twitter where everyone was moaning that Tilda's like, fuck, don't go there. Um, (laughs) No, but there was this whole thing about like, oh, why have SD Works not said anything? And initially, to be fair, I didn't realise that they, they didn't even say anything until after the stage had started about the condition of the riders or the fact they weren't even starting, that half the team wasn't starting the stage. But it does kind of bring up the like, do we all have a right to know about a rider's condition after they crash? Like, is it really the job of the team to like communicate that? As in all that people really need to know is what is related to the racing. As in, are they going to start like, or not? Like that's all that matters. But like, in terms of like, this is what's happened to them. This is how they are now. There's no, like, it's not the right of the, viewer or whatever like it's a privacy matter for the rider i think like but yeah there was a whole big thing on twitter which maybe just tilda and i were the ones who saw it because everyone else is looking very confused
0: well i wonder if they didn't say anything because of the situation with marlon russa at the tour de france where she finished the stage with 100 percent. i reckon that's what uh yeah what was behind it
4: because especially when you've got demi hitting her head and then (laughs) I don't know when she came out with that thing saying, oh, a little concussion. And I was like, what's a little concussion? But um, yeah. And then and then that just contradicted what the team said as well. So there was a whole big thing. But for sure, like they copped a bit of shit for that one at the tour with, with Marlon. And I reckon they probably thought well, better just to say, say nothing if we let Demi carry on when she hit her head or whatever happens. So stage four is my blind spot. I was not. I, was I think in terms day. of
3: Injuries like it's, I don't know how many teams do this, but our team the protocol was um, there was an emergency contact, like your mum or your partner or someone that would have to be contacted straight away. So they're not reading on Twitter, oh, Gracie Owen or Amanda Spratt, huge crash and then silence and nothing for hours because that's really shit when you're a family member or a loved one that is only getting that from Twitter. Um, so it's really important for teams to contact, you know, the right people straight away if they can. Um But I I do actually think that it's good if the team can put out an, a, a small thing just with the minimum amount of detail but an appropriate amount because I think speculation is worse actually than having just something that a short statement that can just be helpful because there, there are a lot of fans now and I think... Spe- speculation on Twitter often gets out of hand, and I don't know if you remember Which is exactly
4: the, what was happening.
3: Yeah, like the crash with. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I hate that I've forgotten his name now, but he was a Kiwi writer and it's uh, that he died a few years back. This was about five oh, years ago. Yeah, and he wasn't dead, but he he was very close to it. But imagine that, like that that PR nightmare. For a few hours. (laughs) Like, luckily, we don't see that kind of level very often, but it's like, I think it is important for teams to be quick on something that's just doesn't need a lot of detail, but it's just, I don't know, addressing what everyone wants to know because everyone's voyeuristic. Like, you can't get around that.
0: We don't need to see like the x rays, we don't need to see the the (laughs) statement from the doctors. But, but yeah, just thinking like, just a like, here's what's wrong blah 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 they're fine or they were, we'll keep keep an eye on them or something I feel like that's yeah that's that's a legit thing to want to see
4: I was fully like why like because it, it was late as well and they updated like in the morning and I was like oh come on like give them a break a bit but then I realized that they didn't say anything like even after the stage just started and I was like that's a bit rogue yeah
1: uh, not saying anything until after the sign-on was a bit weird but I think the counterpoint that I would make is that we say all this about SD works but there are plenty of other teams who say nothing about riders and riders DNF and we have no idea why and there were other riders in that crash that I never saw any update about um and so I you know I appreciate that Demi Volum is the biggest or the second biggest rider in the race but we are holding SD Works to an extra, extra big standard. And to be honest, if you looked at their Twitter, like they clearly had no one really working on the Tour of Scandinavia. They weren't tweeting about it much at all. So I think it just kind of passed them by. And I do agree that an update, especially after the stage has already started, is probably needed. But also, they're not the only ones who, I, I don't think they were coming from a place of like not, of trying not to update people. I think it just was not in their to do list, to be honest.
0: Well, I think this race really suffered from like the Giro Tour come down because I think a lot of people did overlook it or forget it, and there wasn't a ton of coverage on it because like the riders are tired, and you can kind of tell that with the way that they're racing, and also the the start list for the race and everything, and and the journalists are tired. I'm tired. Amy's tired. Mate, I'm knackered. Eh? <laughs> the CT
4: start list for this race was. In. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: well what there's three world tour races left now is that it yeah we got which the...
4: so this is the thing like what is the calendar what is for the well there's
2: a one-day race that's yeah. i don't know if it's new i was I saving guess. this
0: for the end but we can th- but i can throw okay. it in now if you want um Damn it, Lauren, jumping around on the, Sorry. S- on the sheet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the next race we have is August 27th, and that's uh, GP to Plouay. with the name has changed. It's classic Laurent egg something or other. It's Clouet. Um It's Plouay. And then <laughs> after that, we have three stage races, which is super interesting because like stage racing is a thing we just didn't have until this year. And all of a sudden they're like, we want... All of the stage races. So we got the CMAQ tour is August 30th to September 4th, September 7th to the 11th, the Saratizit Challenge by La Vuelta, and the new race from October 7th to the 9th, uh, Tour of Romandy. Both of the races in China, Chengming Island, and uh, the Tour of ying, ying, sorry, are both canceled again this year. So the season will end, yeah, you know, second week of October. But there's still a good amount of racing to come mm-hmm. through August and September. September is, well, it looks scarce because it's just the Sarah Desert Challenge by the Vuelta, but obviously it's also the World Championships, which is a big deal.
2: And I think taking into account the fact everyone has to travel 24 hours plus to to go down under. So it'll be interesting to see how riders approach Um their lead-up to the Worlds, the last time was, like, what, 12 years ago in Australia? So um, you can never underestimate jet lag um, and, yeah, travelling across the world. So I think I I would say a lot of riders that are doing Worlds would do uh, the Simac tour and then get ready to travel.
0: Yeah. The Sarah Does it Challenge by the Vuelta, of the start list there will be pretty interesting, I think, with how close it is to Worlds. When does and- it end again? The 11th, the 11th and the September? time trial is the 18th already.
3: Oh, okay. So well, if you, Vlody announced on Instagram that she's doing the Volta, and you can she imagine she did the Yeah.
0: She has to do it. It's like Spain.
2: So she'll yeah. probably be
0: straight on a flight after, I guess. She wants to do the triple A. And she she's going to win the triple. Wow. I think yeah, she's yeah. Qu- she's a good traveler, though. Yeah, she's. She's a seasoned rider. Like flying to <laughs> Australia doesn't mean anything to her. You got any tips? <laughs> Are you going also to Worlds? No, I'm not going to Worlds, mate. I've got a very important wedding that weekend. I'm not right. Going to sorry, <laughs> forgot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a couple more just small points that we can touch on for tour Scandinavia, and then we can talk a little bit about transfers. And one of them is I was really excited to see Neve Bradbury come in fifth overall a minute down from Celay and, uh, take the young riders Jersey because she, um, I spoke to her at the end of last season and she was like mentally really hurting. Um, I think it was a long season for her to be, you know, she won the, the Zwift Academy and then went over to Europe and then like, couldn't go home because of the COVID situation in Australia, the lockdowns and also just the price of a plane ticket. So when I talked to her, I think it was like maybe September or October. And she was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go home. And she was, I mean, she was pretty cracked. Um, and she's had a really good for what little racing Canyon Sram has taken her to this year. She's, pulled out some impressive results and this is by far i think the best result she's ever had fifth Mm -hmm. overall in a world tour stage race
2: yeah top 10 in the dura and now fifth at tourist scandinavia and the young riders jersey what you were saying um abby i don't know if we saw her together at worlds last year um potentially i think we did yeah yeah she was there um she sort of got dragged along because they had a Zwift event and she was one of the only athletes not competing. So she had to do the right thing there, but, um, to come into the world tour in a year that was still very much a COVID year must've been really challenging for her. And then, like you said, not, to not really be raced much. Um, she's come out of it really good. And I think that this will just give her a lot of confidence moving forwards. Um, And also within the team, like hopefully they're going to give her more opportunities in races like this uh, to actually test the boundaries and see what she can do Um, because I think she's still only 20, 21 years old, which is super young. Um, And she, it seems like there's a really nice mix now within that team and they've really taken her under a wing because I remember even Cassia um, posting on Instagram about how proud she was of how she was doing in the Giro and they seem to be really supportive of one another. So it makes me happy to see when young riders are having a tough time, but then they're nurtured by the the older, more seasoned riders on the team because it can be make or break.
0: She was born in 2002. 2002? <gasps> she wasn't
2: alive for Y2K. Ugh. She is one of those people when... um. Carly was saying she was uh, September 11th last year. It was the 20th anniversary and she was on a bunch ride and everyone was talking about where they were and everyone remembers of our generation or older where you were in that moment when it happened. And then she asked one of the young riders on a sassy bunch and they were like, oh, I think I was only one year old then. So, (laughs) yeah, we're at that point.
4: (laughs) We need to, (laughs) this check killed it. Do you remember where you were? Oh, you fall into that category.
2: Nah, she's <laughs> she's only like twenty-one.
4: <laughs> yeah, I what?
2: wish. I wish. Okay. Um, no, no. Well, we were in Italy,
1: um, so we didn't actually know at the time. Mm. But I was only three years There's old. There's no news in Italy.
4: So. <laughs> no, but, oh, sorry, like, we you did were three years old.
1: <laughs> like, we only found out like the day after from the newspaper. Mm. So. It was before I was Twitter. three years old I don't remember it at all <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I would have remembered if I'd seen it on TV you know what I mean like that's what people remember but uh, I didn't know
0: so yeah I think ap- apart from the f- <laughs> apart from the fact that the two the calendar is a little bit uh over oversaturated no
4: it, remind a yes. from 30 odd days to 70 odd days of roses yes in, the world. in one yeah. year
0: yeah yeah so the, I think the race really suffered because of that, especially it was, it was kind of a bummer because this race announced that it would be a thing in 2019 and then had to postpone. And then there was like a bunch of issues with trying to rope in Vegarda, which we actually didn't even talk about. And then also like the, how many stages would be in Sweden. And there were all of these things, um, that were going on with this race, trying to make it a reality and they even had to change the name earlier this year. So there was, this race has kind of been through the mill and it's a race that all of us were really excited about because I mean, the tour of Norway is always a great race. And this race in particular, like they really, it is the tour of Norway, but in its new form, they were really, really excited to put on a 10 day race for women. And that didn't happen. It was only six, but I think it's a race that we can see build in the future And, um, and I was kind of bummed to see it not get the coverage it deserved, but also one rider won four out of the six stages. So when that happens, you know, it's kind of a, either that rider is like really flying or the start list is lacking a little bit. And I think it was a combination of the two. Um, but overall I thought, I thought it was a pretty all right race. I mean, the, the courses were challenging, but not like insane and that climb is the same one that they had last year that Anamique won on um yeah I don't know I don't know I, f- I guess I feel a little bit undecided but um but I enjoyed watching especially stage three was really really exciting
1: yeah I, th- I think it's easy to look at the results and be like oh that kind of been a very interesting race but actually if you watched it from uh well from when it was live every day it, which I sadly did have to do. It was pretty interesting. Like there was stuff going on all the time. Like it was only really stage six and maybe one other stage where the peloton ever really like relaxed.
0: Save one stage. in stage six, I think.
1: Yeah, like, where they actually just like rolled through. Whereas the other stages, oh my god, they would calm down for five kilometers and then they'd be attacking again, and then they'd come down and they'd be attacking again. And yeah, okay, the attacks wouldn't stick, but it was constantly like on the go and so yeah it it wasn't by fault of not trying that no one else won um yeah and it wasn't that they just rolled through to the finish every day um there was there was a lot going on I think maybe the only thing that we could say is that you know when it's a four-day race and you have a climbing day one tougher day and then two sprinty days that's kind of fine but when it became six days and the two extra days were also just quite two sprinty
0: days you're like this is a bit mm-hmm. much. At some point, you need to but, find you know, like a little bit lumpier terrain for next year. Yeah, perhaps. yeah. <laughs> is that even a thing over there, though?
4: Is it quite? Is that just like the nature of the? It's like the UK, you no, know, just Just
0: find a big yeah. Norway,
4: oh. or I think they have mountains. No, Norway? No, no, no,
0: no. They, they have, have hills. skiing in Norway. They definitely yeah. have. Mountains. I don't know. I've Jumping. never been to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> I it's only funny. know
2: this because of mountain biking. There are definitely hills there. And it can be quite flat at the same time. Denmark is more like, say, Belgium.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this race builds into. I think we should move on and talk a little bit about some transfers. Wait, but can we just
4: rewind one second and talk about the the things outside of this race that weren't actually the race in? No, because the guy, the guy there who's like the organizer, always like rocks up in a chicken suit. If We're not making this mm. before, This is like an annual thing.
2: And then Emma Moberg was in a chicken suit too. Yeah, because
4: it's his daughter. Oh. oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her dad organizes it. I thought you were going to rewind so that we could talk about Vegarda because we <laughs> obviously didn't do a podcast last week, so we didn't talk about the Voss Puppy it. Pod. I just want to Audrey situation. No.
4: I'm not that onto it at this hour of the day. I just mm. wanted to talk about the chicken suits and also the announcer <laughs> on the podium. But
0: that's fine. The, guy, the the announcer on the podium was hilarious. I mean, very <laughs> annoying, but also like just abruptly ending all of the uh, all the interviews, like. <laughs> <laughs> And his questions were so, like, so random. (laughs) I wish also this was, I feel like these were kind of the more subdued interviews we've ever seen from Sile. I wrote up like a whole piece after the stage, thinking she was going to give like one of her incredible interviews. And then it was like 30 seconds long. And even Sile is tired.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she gave all of her emotion at the tour. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You should have seen her in the mix zone can only imagine gracie <laughs> every interview every 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 broadcaster got their fair share of tears it was good
0: oh wow there are no tears for her <laughs> she's this teared time. out she's gonna yeah. save them
2: up for that potential world championship
0: now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay. Let's talk about transfers because we've, we're obviously, we're thick into the silly season. It's October, October. I phone like it's <laughs> August 15th. You wish <laughs> it's the August 15th now. Yeah. <laughs> season. Uh, great one. <laughs> Crazy, <you> know, fun. <laughs> uh. We've already talked, we've already talked a little bit about Lorena going to SD works and kind of what that could potentially mean. Um, Still, in my opinion, one of the bigger signings of the year so far, but we also just over the weekend found out that Mavi Garcia will be going to live extra, which is a very interesting signing because live have not had a great year this year. Allison Jackson won the points jersey in tour Scandinavia, but other than that, they've gotten a couple third places, but they've really not. Yeah, they've not had a great year with the loss of uh, of Capecchi and so it's interesting that they they really swung in a different direction they lost Lota Capecchi who's like a sprinter classic C rider and they've picked up Mavi Garcia who is very good at going up hills not very good at handling a bike so just kind of the opposite <laughs> the opposite rider speaking
2: of Liv Valerie DeMay has had um a really good well she's coming into good form now. It was impressive. At least now that I live in Belgium, I am taking more note as well of the Belgian riders. Shari Boussard, I think we should have mentioned her name. She had a fantastic tour and the fact that she was mixing up in the sprint finishes and then pulling like a monster turn on that climbing day as well, so still there in the mix, um, working for Niamh Bradbury, and she's a young rider herself. So, for me, that was really good to see some more Belgium talent coming through um and then of course I thought Chloe Hosking rode really well on that tour she was really strong um putting herself trying to change the subject sorry I was just we missed it I just wanted to give little shout outs to
0: no you're you're good yeah Chloe is another one who's on the move but we can't we can't say where we don't know we don't know where maybe this is
4: my problem we're talking about transfers like I'm stressed because
2: like you know some what's stuff but you can't. and what's not. I agree. Yeah.
0: I, I wrote multiple in here that I was like, hold on, that's not official yet. And Micah Bougard
2: has left UAD. You you to left the team.
0: <laughs> UAE team ADQ. Yeah, that one. She's also yeah. gone to AG next gen. Hmm. With Ashley Passio, which is probably some of the biggest news that we hinted at during the Tour de France Femme that she would not be retiring. But now we know that she's not retiring, but she's also moving <coughs> teams um, to to next gen, which is the formerly U twenty three development team, backed by question. Yeah, why would
3: you leave SDWorks for?
2: AG insurance. Great question, Gracie. You hate them, you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she according to her her little tweet or something. <laughs> that one out. Cut that one out. No, please don't. Keep, don't, that. Don't keep it. it. <laughs> well, according to her Instagram or Twitter or something like that, it's because she wants to work with the next the next generation. Oh dear. <laughs> um, but I feel like like you're all thinking she wants her own opportunities and figures if she goes to a smaller team, which is actually developing into quite a good team, maybe she'll have those opportunities again. I don't know. I feel like Ashley is always looking for the next best thing. The next best I thing to speak on this subject. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. The yeah. the
0: thing about this move for me is that I she's she's quite a seasoned writer. She's been in the Peloton a really long time. But I don't know if I would pick her to kind of like pilot the next generation of riders. Um, and I feel like for her, she is a very good rider, but she's benefited from the strength of SD works while she's been on that team. And no matter how many riders next gen picks up and how they try to bolster their team, there's still gonna be a really young team. There's simply not enough talent on the market for them to make it's like the problem that Uno X had this year. Um, as when they started is that when they went to sign riders, all of the best riders were signed. And so they ended up with a pretty young team and then two, albeit incredibly talented, uh, seasoned riders in Julie and and Hannah, but they didn't really have a team that could pull it together to win a race. And I feel like next gen is going to be in exactly the same situation where they're going to have Ashley, but is she actually going to deliver any results? Because... She doesn't, she won't have really a team to back her in the big races against riders like Van Vluten.
4: I'll tell you who's going to deliver the results on that team.
0: Ali. Tell me.
4: Ali Wollaston, Anya Lo- mm-hmm. I actually think that's her name. That one. All the young riders who are like these up and coming stars. That's who's going to deliver the results. And we're going to get the same old.
2: From- well, my concern was that, like, they've been having a fantastic year, that team. And these young riders have that opportunity. To just have a go. What happens when you bring in a rider like Ashley, who, I mean, she says that she. Yeah, don't
0: disrupt the vibe. They also like, they're the only U23 pro team that exists. And so it's kind of a bummer that they've, they are now falling into this, oh, we want to be part of the world tour trap that a lot of but other they- teams. They're keeping a development team, aren't they? As yes. well. yeah, yeah, they are. But like, what is that going to look like? Right. Like I spoke with Ronnie Lauka earlier in the year about the situation with the, um, Canyon SRAM. Now I can't remember why, cause I thought they were called next generation, but they're not Uh generation team. It I knew generation, generation was in it. Yeah. The Canyon SRAM generation team. And then the Canyon SRAM team team, like there can't be riders that jump between the two. Like the, the team, the riders on the generation team can't just like stagiaire with Canyon SRAM because that is not a thing in women's cycling like it is in men's because it just hasn't been done in the past. Like the team has two teams basically. Yeah. But in the men's it's only, so it can only be done between,
4: I think it's Conti and Pro Conti.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but because, because it's never been a thing exist. in the women's, it doesn't you can't exist just from like county
4: level to world tour.
0: No, yeah. but they
1: do, don't they? The, like the DSM team, DSM development team, some of those riders yeah. on the men's development team get to ride on the men's world tour team. Like, yeah, randomly.
0: yeah, men. Oh, like, but for the just... women's, it doesn't. There's no yeah. such thing because there's no development teams connected to. So I don't know how the UCI is going to deal with that, like changing the rules and making it possible for the riders on the U23 team to ride for the world tour team. Also, they obviously are not guaranteed a spot in the world tour next year. We'll see. I feel like with Patrick Lafavre backing the team, they probably will get that world tour spot. But um, I don't know. I feel weird about this situation in this team and this transfer. Yeah, me too. I got weird vibes. About the transfer, no. but not the team. Both. I would All say. of it.
1: Yeah, but I think the I think the problem is, is that next year, if like they're gonna have to pick before December what riders are on the under twenty-three team and what riders are on the world tour team. And that like is not good necessarily. <laughs> because what if you pick a rider, like you say, oh no, like you're only nineteen years old, stay on the under twenty-three team, and then they have the best season ever, but they can't go and race a big race. And if you just sort of left it as it was. Still getting invites. Like, let's remember they got invited to the Tour de France. Like, they're mm-hmm. not missing out on, on big races. Um, and now, yeah, and now riders that would have had really good chances might have to be a little bit in the shadow of, um, Mormon Passio, which I don't, it is a shame. And even if they do have an under 23 team, that team won't get the same invites, obviously. So there is, there is a loss happening to riders, I think.
0: I wonder if they'll just take everyone over and then start, like, a brand new... No, they basically are. They're all... They've they've announced who's in the pro
4: team and who's in the... Who's not in it, basically. They've announced Mm. who's... The bigger riders that have been doing well this year all going to the pro team.
0: Interesting. But this is where we
4: need a second
0: tier, right? Yeah, we could harp on that for, like, years. Yeah. And it's... uh,
4: Yeah, the And also, like, so many so many conti teams at, and even in scandinavia racing behaving like world tour teams and world tour teams racing and behaving like conti teams won't mention any specifically mm. <laughs> no have we not seen that like all season like some world tour teams you're like why is this team a world tour team what have they done we have not seen them and then like you've got conti teams like next G, plantapura valcar um all them forgot. It's because the of now. money, Amy. Nicole, yeah, it's money.
1: It, it turns out that the money doesn't make you a good team, right?
4: Yeah, I know, but that's the problem. The UCI need to stop being such greedy, exclusives. And
0: anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll segue. I'm going to segue, and I and if you know, you know. So. <laughs> Other transfers that we have this year that will are going into next season that I find very, very interesting. We got Anuska Costa and Amelie, Didri- um, Amelie Diderickson going to Uno X. So, kind of two way more talented seasoned riders going into that team to hopefully kind of bring it up because young riders, a lot of young riders. Oh, and Anuska Costa
2: had a great tour, I thought. She was. She really, really did. She
0: had that breakaway on the final day that nearly stuck to the line. Mm.
2: I think she's been racing really well all year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's just overshadowed by the fact that she's Boss. got some very <laughs> superior teammates. But maybe this will be a great move for her um, because, like you were saying with you know X, they haven't really had, um, and I still think they don't really have that team yet that has that standout winner. So it's more. Survival. leveled. Yeah, yeah it's leveled so going into a race it's not like we have an enemy or we have a demi bollering. um it should be a bit more of an even spread and i do wonder with Diedrichsen if she does go to this team if you know she's been on sd works and then on track with just the world's best riders maybe this is her opportunity to come up again she's still young she still has a whole career ahead of her. If she wanted to race for another 10 years, she could.
0: This is kind of the example of a rider who's been around for a while going to a young team and elevating it, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because I think that she's she's been racing with the best. She has a lot of knowledge. She's both ridden as a leader and as a domestique, so she knows both sides of the coin. So I think that she's going to be really, really good for this team, and I think this team in particular is – really really good at taking care of its riders and with her injury they and her being a danish rider so it's for the sponsor it's going to be huge that she's going to be on the team that they're really going to give her the room that she needs to recover from her knee injury and kind of get herself back on top of her game so i think that this is one of personally one of the most exciting transfers that i've seen so far
2: yeah, it's definitely possible. I always think of Amelia Farland as one of those writers. Um, when I started out, she, we're the same age. Um, she had some fantastic first years coming out of that sort of under-19 into the pro with HTC. She was winning races and podium and doing really well, and then she had like a few years where she just didn't really find her place, I think, on teams and the form wasn't there. And then she just started coming up again around the Rio Olympics and then just built and built and built. And then, um, yeah, she became another rider again, almost.
0: Yeah, I remember she kind of turned into a climber a bit there. Mm. And then DSM has announced the signing of six kind of young riders-ish with uh, Maeve is that her, uh, for the Australian track rider is kind of the most one of the most seasoned riders in their new signings but they've they've picked up a bunch of new riders i mean six new riders to a team is a lot of new riders to a team and they've also got a couple riders who are not renewed that we don't know where they're going yet so i feel like that's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what dsm does in the future because obviously they're losing lorena webus the the best rider on their team kind of the the reason the team is even on the map, and they've—that's re- a bit harsh
4: on. Sorry, Leon on the uh,
0: others. I know, I know. Is Leanna
4: Juliet Lebu is. Yeah, I was, was going to say they've rider.
0: re-signed Juliet Lebu, and she's she won Burgos. She's a very good rider, so they've re-signed her. But there's like Leanna Lippert and uh, Floridian Mackay both. Don't know if they're resigned. Don't know what they're doing. Uh, and Leah we Kirchman do know, well, but we right. can't say it on the podcast. <laughs> so I think Leah I Kirchman like is leaving Kurchman as well. Coachman is- yeah. hasn't really. I wonder if she'll go to uh, Rally Human Powered Health. Actually, yeah, yeah, because that was like the team that she started on, and they're kind of in the same boat as Uno X in that they've got like a lot of young riders, but they're they've not been able to like really. What about Leanna Lippitt to Canyon Shram? No, we're not we're not speculating. There's no <laughs> speculation going on on this podcast. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to I'm going to cut us off. We will not speculate oh. or or accidentally misspeak. Uh, yeah, uh, accidentally name transfers that we know are going on that haven't been been announced yet. So, yeah. We'll be back next week to talk about Plue really because play the week after no I know we have do you know like... what starts next week oh yeah so next week Amy and Tilda will be on to talk about mountain biking <laughs> oh. yes do you no, know was...
4: actually to be fair we were going to do <laughs> Gracie mate join so we were going to do like a that was my original idea after the last world cup Val de Sola which is in two weeks or just over but world championships like starts basically midweek next week And we're both
0: going to be there, so you guys should. I'll. I'm just going to hand over freewheeling to you guys for next week. Sick. Okay. Dangerous. You might regret this. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's happening. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Freewheeling Podcast. I feel like we were a little bit on our game today. We'll be back next week. We'll kind of, and uh, yeah, have a great week.